You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So is it wrong to admit that sometimes I don't want to sing in church? Is that wrong to say out loud publicly? I was, uh, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's a, a tr- conference on, on church planting called Exponential. And gathered with like a thousand other people, revved up leaders about church planting. Because new churches make new disciples in new areas. And that's what it's all about. It's about disciple making. And that's what we hope God does with Grace Church. Over a course of 20 years, we're praying and planning and moving toward starting up to 100 new churches and sites over 20 years to make new disciples. It's a strategy to make disciples. And, and by the way, those who stay and make disciples and send they're just as important as those who go. I mean, we're a team right here. Anyway, so I'm at the conference, and all these guys, great worship, great moment, and I don't want to sing, of all places. And I started wondering, uh, with this topic coming up, why don't people want to sing in church? Like, why do I, I stand and I look sometimes, I'm like, this, guy, this, guy, this dude isn't singing, or she isn't singing. Why do people not sing in church? I think there's a variety of reasons. Maybe they aren't familiar with the song. They don't know the song. Or they don't know, they don't like how that song's being played. Maybe they like the song, they don't like how it's being played. Maybe they don't want somebody else to hear them sing out loud. Or they don't really like to sing in general. Or they're feeling too down to sing. Or they wonder, does it even matter? Who cares whether I sing or I don't sing? Does it even matter? Brings up a couple of questions for us, by the way. Is it important to God that we sing to him? Like, is that important to God? And if it's important to God, why? Why would God value us singing to him? That's our topic today. And so we're going to be in Exodus 15. If you want to open a Bible app or go online or open a Bible, you can join us, Exodus 15. Our ushers in all of our locations have Bibles. If you're new, you can just raise your hand. They'll give you a Bible, uh, Exodus 15. I do want to say hello to uh, those of us joining online. Thank you for joining us online. We're honored to have you. Hello to our Olathe campus as well. Hey, guys. Hello to our Overland Park campus. Hey, guys, in the venue or auditorium. Uh, We're in a series right now through Exodus talking about how the book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. I mean, the things that happened to Israel in the book of Exodus, BC, it's a credible picture of our journey today. In the first week of our series, we talked about our slavery. And Israel was a picture of the world. This world is born as slaves to sin. Then the next week, we talked about our Savior. Moses pictures us. Because we also, like Moses, we are sent to the world to have conversations about Jesus. Then we talked about our slave master. We saw Pharaoh was a picture of Satan. Pharaoh was a picture of the spiritual opposition we face. Because when we have conversations about faith, we're going to have spiritual opposition. Then we talked about our sacrifice. We saw that Jesus was a the lamb was a picture of Jesus, who was innocent who is sacrificed for us on the cross. Last week, we talked about our salvation. 
We saw how the Red Sea was an incredible picture of salvation. Think about it. Israel had to believe God first, that God would protect them. After they believed, they showed the world they believed by going down into the Red Sea water, coming up out of the water. Well, that's salvation. Because salvation is believing in Jesus first. You believe in Jesus. But you show the world by going down into the waters of baptism, coming up out of the waters. That's, that's what happens. You show the world that way. So we covered so far. I want to catch us up. As we covered so far, we'll catch us up on the tension from last week because we need it for this week. So as of last week, Israel had escaped from slavery in Egypt. Now they were stuck. The Red Sea's in front of them. They can't go forward. Pharaoh and his armies chasing behind them. They can't go backward. Here's their options. If they get caught, they'll either be re-enslaved. Every person they care about is enslaved again. Or if they fight, they might well, even if they don't fight, be murdered. Those are their options. They themselves could not do anything about it. They were hopeless. But God moved. So God protected them from Pharaoh. God opened up a a dry channel in the Red Sea. They went down in the water on dry land, walked up on the other side. Pharaoh and his armies chased after them. And then God just took away the protection from the water and let the waters resume. And all those guys in their armor. You know, wearing metal is not helpful when you start swimming. And so they're they're stuck at the bottom. And they, on the other shore, 2.5 million people were going to die. And the people who were going to kill them are gone. And they were so amazed, so thankful, so overjoyed. They expressed their love to God, their gratitude, by writing a brand new song and singing that brand new song to God. Today we're going to talk about our song. Our song. And I, I tried to pick a photo here which represents what a nation feels like when somebody who hates you is gone. This was a photo taken outside the White House when the United States had that relief and gratitude and thankfulness. The response and learning back in 2011 that Osama bin Laden was gone. If you remember that time, by the way, the whole nation was kind of like Israel and Exodus. People spilled out onto the streets in cities around this country with relief and gratitude because the man who wanted them dead was gone. That's what we see here. That's the feeling of Exodus 15, only more so because they were enslaved and they were going to die. And now Exodus 15 is this moment when Israel's singing and dancing to God and it pictures what God hopes for us, that from time to time, you and I, based on new things God's doing, write new songs to him. And we sing gratitude. We dance before God in gratitude. So if you're a follower of Jesus, think back to a few minutes ago when our church was singing, when our church was singing in all of our locations, what were you doing while the church was singing? Just think, what were you doing? Were you focusing your mind and your thoughts on God? Were you attempting to express some love to God through singing? Were you bringing him pleasure? Does it even matter whether you sing and fully engage or whether you sit back and say, try to bless me. But does it even matter whether you sing to God or not? That's our topic. So let's go ahead and pray. We'll dive in. Father, I just pray that you would guide us. Show us if you do value singing, how much you value, why that's a value to you. Help us to know what we should do in response as followers of Jesus. And for those who don't feel like singing, Help them to see where they fit in that situation. And those who don't even know Jesus, there's no reason to be singing. But I pray that you would help them surrender today so they could see why we who are followers of Jesus 
do sing. Why do we sing? Because we have been saved. We've been delivered. We know we owe everything to you. And we want to do things that express our love and gratitude to you in ways you desire. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to walk through Exodus 15. We're going to see two songs. First of all, Moses leads a song with the guys. And then Miriam, his older sister, leads a song with the ladies. We find that Exodus 15. We're going to read Exodus 15 in a version of the Bible called The Message. The Message is not like a translation that's word for word. It's a bit less accurate, actually. But you actually get some of the emotional content that you might miss out on if you didn't know Hebrew. And so we're going to read in the message version. And so you've got to picture this moment. The crowds are in shock. They're on the shore. The water's just caved in. And now they're just so thankful. Everybody they know is, is saved. They actually write this song, sing this song. And Moses with 600,000 male voices. You've got to picture 600,000 men outside singing to God. Verse 1. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to God. Giving voice together. Imagine those 600,000 male voices together. Ladies are going to join them in just a moment. It's amazing. What were they singing about? First of all, this new thing that God just did. They got a new song for the new thing. Verse 1. I'm singing my heart out. That's what singing is. It's an expression of your heart. I'm singing my heart out to God. What a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. I mean, we sing about things that God does that we could never do ourselves because he deserves the credit. And then they were so grateful, they start singing about who God is. What they did showed him who God is. Who is God? Verse 2. God is my strength. God is my song. He's what I sing about. Yes, God is my salvation. This is the kind of God I have, and I'm telling the world, I'm telling the world. I mean, they're singing. 600,000 male voices. That was terrible, but you get the idea. This is the God of my Father. That's really bad. I'm spreading the news far and wide. Verse 3. Who is God? God is a fighter. Pure God. Through and through. They sing about who God is. Then they go back again, cycle back to what God just did. Verse 4. Pharaoh's chariots and army, he dumped in the sea. The elite of his officers, he drowned in the Red Sea. They're amazed by this new thing with this new song they're singing. Verse 5, wild ocean waters poured over them. They just saw it. The waters cover the armies. They sank like a rock. Shouldn't be wearing metal when you go swimming. In the deep blue sea. Jump down to verse 11. They keep singing, cycling back who God is, what he did. Verse 11. Who is God? Who compares with you among gods, O God? Who compares with you in power, in holy majesty, in awesome praises, wonder-working God? I mean, this is who God is. They keep singing about it. They eventually sing what God will do in the future. And then jump down to verse 20. All these ladies' voices, you know, 600,000 ladies start joining in with these female voices And they start dancing and grabbing any musical instrument they can find. Tambourines, spoons, you name it. It says in verse 20, Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine. And all the women followed her with tambourines dancing. Miriam led them in singing. 
And now they're tambourine playing, and now they're dancing. All these ladies' voices join in, celebrating what God just did. What do they sing? This new thing God just did. Verse 21, sing to God. What a victory. He pitched horse and rider into the sea. I mean, you got to picture this moment. It was the moment, like, after World War II, when they, when they declared that the victory over Europe is here, or VJ Day, victory over Japan is here. These moments in the United States when people spilled on the street with relief, it's finally over, we're finally safe. And they responded to God with joy and gratitude and singing. That's the feeling of this moment. It's hard to picture, I mean, these ladies go out there with any musical instruments they can find with tambourines. They don't usually give me a tambourine. I'm so excited. We need one brave lady, like my wife, to come up on stage. Is my wife here just to demonstrate what it looks like to sing and dance and tambourine? You know the best time to invite your introvert wife onto stage to sing and to dance and tambourine is when you know she's not here. That's the best time. But by the way, if you study the Hebrew, you know what? You can find out what Moses actually told his uh, older sister, uh, Miriam. He says, Miriam. We got a fever, and the only prescription is more tambourine. I mean, I mean, there they are. They are dancing. They're celebrating. I mean, it is amazing. It is awesome. I'm going to stop doing that for the sake of you. Okay, so, so here's the thing. Is whether we sing to God or not even important if I sit back and do this or if I fully engage? Who really cares? So I prayed about this, by the way. And we were talking about our song. I had three thoughts come to mind I want to share with you. And here's the first thought. I think God God does care whether we sing to him or not, if we're followers of Jesus. Number one, you can write this down. Singing to God brings God pleasure. Here's the deal. When you sing to God, you actually bring God pleasure. It's not about you, whether you like it. It's speaking to him in a language that he desires. It reminds me of the book, The Five Love Languages. Great book. It says in that book that essentially that people feel love in five different ways. Time, service, words, gifts, and touch. And when you love someone, you do things for them that they enjoy even when you don't enjoy it because you want to express your love to them in their language. My wife's love language is quality time. Mine is not. I give her quality time because I want to express my love to her even when it doesn't do stuff for me because I want to speak in her own language. That's what, the, that's what the amazing thing about love is. That's what love is. Giving people love in ways they feel loved. Not just when you feel like it. That's the heart of love. And the challenge when we have a relationship with God is, who knows what his love language is? Who knows what God likes? That's what the Bible's for. So when you study the Bible, the Bible reveals what God likes. And what he doesn't like. You learn his love languages, so to speak. And when you study the Bible, you can do this sometime. Just go to a website like BibleGateway.com or a Bible search program. And just search for every time the Bible says God loves. Or God is delighted. Or God is pleased, gets pleasure from something. And you learn about the invisible God. Search for every time the Bible says God is grieved. Or is angry. Or God hates something. What does God hate? Like that's in there. And God reveals what he likes. Knowing these things about God helps you build your relationship and you express your love in ways he values. When you do a study like that, you find singing to God brings him pleasure. 
it is important to God that we do sing to him. In fact, a few moments ago, when I was singing with you, I was just very conscious of this moment, as I, as I croak out whatever voice I've got, God loves. In fact, Psalm 147.1 reveals this. It says, praise the Lord, for it is good, it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. Psalm 147.1 reveals something about our invisible God. He thinks that singing to him is good, pleasurable, and however bad your voice is, beautiful. It is beautiful and pleasurable. Singing is one way God wants us to express our love to him. Do you bring pleasure to God even when you don't feel like it, even if you don't even like it, by singing to him because he says he values it? Colossians 3.16 says, singing allows us to express our hearts to him. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's inside you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Here it comes, singing with grace in your hearts. God's grace, undeserved love in your hearts to the Lord. What is singing about? It's an expression of your heart. What's inside of you? Do you express your heart to God by singing your love to him? Now, some people tell me, Tim, I don't sing. That's not how I roll. I just don't sing. I just never sing. Guys, let's roll the video clip. So we're going to see people that I know are at a KU game, and these guys would swear they don't sing. They say, I don't sing. You got introverts here, extroverts. Good voices, bad voices. And guess what? They're singing to... Who are they singing to? They are, these guys don't sing. They're singing to KU. Right? So there's these guys who sit in church and swear, these men and women. Here's the question. If you sing for KU or a sports team, do you sing to God? Just because God says he gets pleasure? I don't sing. So this next video clip is when the Chiefs spanked the Patriots a few years ago, again. And I love these moments because I love doing the tomahawk chop too. Now they're not only singing, they're raising hands in this event. Oh, I'm raising my hands. I don't do it in church, but I do it for the Chiefs. I raise my hands for our people. Not for God. Even First Timothy 2 says he likes it. Like that's one of the reasons why I raise my hands in church when I don't even want to do it. First Timothy 2 says he likes it. I raise my hands to bring him pleasure, First Timothy 2. This next video is a birthday party. Everybody's supposed to be singing. Watch this kid. Wait! Someone's not singing! Wait! Wait! Tommy's not singing! Look at Tommy. He is caught. Look at his face. Tommy! Everybody at the party is singing, except for Tommy. What is the point? A lot of people think to themselves, I don't sing. But they do sing. It's selective singing. And God would love to get some of that action of you singing and raising your hands. When First Timothy 2 says he likes it, well, I don't like it. But if God likes it, I'd like to give him what he likes. That's what love is. And just don't be a Tommy. Does God look down at church and go like, Tommy, wait, wait, wait. Tommy's not singing. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, don't be a Tommy. Go ahead and tell him, don't be a Tommy. 
All right, singing to God brings God pleasure. Now, here's a follow-up question. What if sometimes I don't like singing? I don't, want to, I don't feel like singing. What if I don't feel like singing? Is that okay? Number two, God understands. It's okay. He understands when we don't feel like singing. He does understand. Singing is not a law for us to keep so we're right before God. Singing is love. That if you love somebody, you want to express love in the way they would like it. God says he likes raising hands. He likes singing. James 5.13 shows how he understands us. James 5.13, if anyone among you suffering, let him pray. If you're suffering, you don't feel like singing, that's okay. Still engage with God, still pray. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing psalms. At least make sure that when you're cheerful, you don't ever not give God any singing. And by the way, there are times in life, even though God says, I understand, you don't feel like singing, then pray. I would say there are times there's, an, there's a power from God that's shown in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas are sitting in jail, they've been beaten up, thrown in jail, and these guys are suffering in misery, and they sing. And God unleashes his power in Acts 16 when they're in jail, when they sing in their suffering. Anyway, God understands. He understands when you don't feel like singing, but singing to God brings him pleasure. So if you never sing to God, if you're never in the mood to sing to God? Are you robbing yourself in an important way to express love to God in ways he would like? Reminds me of the time that I was counseling a husband and wife, marriage counseling. I was talking to the husband about the importance of opening up his heart to his wife. I was saying, dude, you have got to let your, her into what you're thinking and what you're feeling. You're a black box. That's not helpful to her. And even if you're not into it, even if you don't even like talking about your feelings, you do it. Why? Because it's something she needs. It brings her pleasure. You speak her language. In that same conversation, I was talking to the wife about the importance of being physically intimate with her husband on a regular basis so they could, you know, be together. And I said, if you love your husband, even when you aren't feeling it, even when you don't even desire it, you give him what he needs also because it brings him pleasure. You speak his language, and the same is true for God. If singing to God brings God pleasure, if you love God, even when singing is not your thing, even when it doesn't do much for you, you give God what he desires because you know it brings God pleasure in his language. You sing his language. Isn't that what love is? Not basing everything you do on what you feel like. You base it on what they need and what they desire. That's what love is. God does care whether we sing or not. There's a third thought I have. Number three, it is important to God we sing new songs too. It is important to God we sing new songs too. Why? Because God's always moving. God's always working. He's always doing things and new things God's doing calls for new songs to celebrate. That's what Exodus 15 is all about. Exodus 14 was the Red Sea. Exodus 15 was a new song about the Red Sea because God did something new. New song, Exodus 15, based on a new work, Exodus 14. In fact, we see this theme throughout the Bible, a new song, a new song, sing a new song. Psalm 33, 3. Sing to him a new song. Psalm 96, 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Psalm 144, 9. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Psalm 98, 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand, that's Jesus, 
And his holy arm, that's Jesus, have gained him the victory. It is important to God we sing new songs too. Now, uh, all those so, uh, verses I just quoted were from the Psalms. What are the Psalms? Well, first of all, they're in the middle of your Bible. Just go to the middle. You're there. It's awesome. There are 150 Psalms, 150 songs. It was the Jewish hymnal. 150 letters where somebody wrote letters to God. And I'd like to invite everybody to do an experiment this week with God. If you've never done this, it's an experiment. Either write a new song this week or write a letter to God this week. When's the last time you wrote a letter to God where you write, Dear God, here's what's happening. And you write it down. And here's what I'm thinking mentally about what's happening. You write it down. And here's how I'm feeling emotionally about what's going on. And you write it down. And you write till you have nothing else to say. When I've been counseling people, I, I give this assignment to do. That's what the Psalms are, to do a Psalm, to write a letter to God. And with people who have never done this and have a lot of stuff that they got to process, I say, be so candid in your letter that if you have to burn it when you're done, burn it, but write it and get so candid and real with him. It's what I do when I'm processing, processing the most emotion. When I process the most emotion in life, I sit down, grab a notepad, and I write page after page until I have nothing left to write. That's a challenge this week to write a new song or write a letter to God this week. In just a few moments, we're actually going to do an experiment together in these services and over locations as a church. We are going to write a new song together to God in each of our locations. This is an experiment that our worship leaders requested they prayed about it. They proposed it and said, well, guys, we, we really feel led to lead our church to write a new song together. I'm excited about their experiment with us to see what this is like. For all you introverts out there, be very safe. No one's going to make you talk, okay? But for all you extroverts out there, we need you, but I'm sorry we're going to limit you to one sentence. And that's very hard for you. I get it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you one minute to come up with one new sentence that's part of our new song. One minute of silence to come up with one new sentence. What would be your new sentence be? What does God mean to you? That's your sentence. What does God mean to you? Or what's God been doing in your life, this new thing? That's your new sentence. Or how are you feeling about God these days? That's your new sentence. Write your one new sentence for our new song. Give you one minute of silence Go. All right, here's the deal. There are people, people, whether you're online, one of our locations, you likely have a God story you've never shared. And we want to celebrate with you. I want to encourage you to sit down and write it out and then email us at stories at visitgracechurch.com. Like anytime God does something great, you want to celebrate it, email us at stories at visitgracechurch.com. We can celebrate it. Here's the deal. Singing to God, does it matter if you sing or not? Yeah, it matters to him. Singing to God brings God pleasure. And God understands that sometimes you're not feeling it. He understands. But to never feel it is hard. Because that's one of his love languages. That's what love is. You do things for others in ways they would like even when you're not into it. That's what love is. It is important to God we sing new songs too. And I would ask you, do you have a relationship with God? If you have a relationship with God, this, this actually makes more sense. If you've never given your life to Jesus, never been forgiven of sins, never sensed his presence in you, 
Why would I sing to God? I get that. I totally get that. But maybe, just maybe today is the day that the Holy Spirit has brought you to this moment that you feel you're ready in your soul to surrender to Jesus. And I beg you, place your faith in Jesus. Surrender control of your life to him. Call out to him to save you. He will forgive you of sins, give you the Holy Spirit, give it, start speaking from, you, from within your body, living in you. Destiny in heaven. I mean, it's an amazing moment. He will lead your life in love. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the chance to, to learn from the Bible what you reveal, just about the things you like and don't like, and the fact that you like singing greatly. It brings you pleasure. The fact that you even mentioned that, you know, even physical expressions like dancing and hands raised and stuff, like you value that first Timothy too. So we would never know that without you revealing it to us. May we as followers bring you pleasure in your own love languages the way you desire. We want to bring you pleasure. And for those who don't know Jesus, may they cry out to you and surrender their hearts and lives to you. Please, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.